are now listening to Wisdom from North podcast with me, Jannike Einias. Here I will explore topics such as metaphysics, spirituality, personal growth, and in general, how we can create good lives for ourselves. My intention is to find some answers, but perhaps more importantly, finding new questions to ask, because there is always something new to discover in this wonderful universe that we live in. In Wisdom from North, we're passionate about helping you take your spiritual growth to that next level. That's why we are collaborating with some amazing spiritual teachers and partners who offer free webinars and classes. Go to wisdomfromnorth.com forward slash free. Disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast belong to the guests and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of Wisdom from North or any entities they may represent. Now, please enjoy the episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, John. A warm welcome to the show. Hi, Yannicka. Thank you so much. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, yeah. I mean, finally, we get this to happen. I've been trying to get a hold of you for quite some time because I came over your NDE and it made such an impression on me. It's so rich with details and it seemed like you got so many questions answered. And I felt that this can really be of uh, giving people so much hope. Because there's so many people wondering about what happens to our loved ones when we die, what happens to us when we die. And a lot of people are walking around with fear. And I really think, yeah, and it's time that we open up to more of the nature of our reality and see more perspectives. Uh, So I'm excited to hear your story today. I'm curious, uh, before you dive into it, how did you get the courage to start to share the story? You know, my experience happened when I was 21. And one of the things that I think that God gave me was the ability to have perfect recall. Because even all this time has passed, I still remember my NDE like it happened yesterday. And I have tried to live my life in such a way that I can share my story to anybody who would listen. And it was really only just a few years ago that I decided I'm going to put this story on, on social media. And cause I, I would always just tell it person to person. And I thought, you know what, maybe if I, maybe I could reach a bigger audience if I went and shared my story. So I on Facebook and that's when I first shared it. And that's when people started in asking me to come on their podcast to, to share it even to a larger audience. So I've always wanted to share it because it, it, gave me so much hope. And I thought if it helped me, it's certainly going to be able to help other people too. And not to jump ahead here, but did you sort of receive a message that you were supposed to share this as well, that you feel sort of an obligation to share it? Uh, oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I can tell you now or I can wait till the end, whatever is easier, better for you. 
Right. You know, let's dive into it and I'll, okay. I'll just give the stage to you. Well, I'll, um, I'll start at the beginning then. Um, Yannicka, this whole thing started uh, when I was 21 years old and my dad was in sales and he won a sales contest. And part of what he won were two mopeds or what we call scooters now. And we used to ride them in the neighborhood all the time, especially on the weekends. So one day I was out riding and I had an accident and I crashed into a tree. And the way that I landed, I landed in such a way that I tore the tendons off my right hand and I had to go in for surgery. Well, I was only 21. I had never had surgery before. I had hardly ever spent any time in a hospital. So I didn't really know what to expect. So the day of the surgery comes, we go in, my mom drives me down, and I'm in the hospital, and they start to give me the anesthesia to knock me out for the surgery. Well, something happened, and I had a horrible reaction to the anesthesia, and it stopped my heart, and I actually died for seven minutes. And everything that happened in my near-death experience happened in that seven-minute time frame when I was clinically dead. But the most remarkable thing about it is during my NDE, it felt like I was gone for an hour or more because they showed me so much. And that's what I'm able to tell people about my experiences, how this all unfolded. Well, before I get much farther, I just wanted, I want to give a little bit of a background to your audience so they can kind of follow how my story started. A lot of times we hear about near-death experiences and they seem to have a, a similar type of flow to them. There'll be an accident or there'll be something happening when the person's in surgery and they die and they find themselves floating above their body, looking down on the scene and they become aware of a tunnel and they start to move down the tunnel and at the end of the tunnel is this white light but we've never been told what happens at the end of that white light because there's almost always somebody that this person knows that tells them, you know, hey, it's not your time. You're, you're, it's not your time to come to the other side. You have to go back to earth. So we never knew what happens when a person walks into that light. Well, for whatever reason, with my near-death experience, I skipped all that. And my story starts on the other side of that white light. Mm. So here's, here's what happened. When I died and I woke up and I was standing in the most beautiful building I have ever seen. It was a huge, huge, long corridor building. It was so long that I couldn't even see the end of it. That's how long it was miles long. And it was made of beautiful white polished marble on the right hand side of me if you can imagine 20 or 30 foot high columns of marble beautiful marble all the way down as far as you could see in the middle of this corridor were these tables again beautiful white marble tables with benches all around each side again all the way down as far as you could see and at these tables were sitting two people. Every table had two people, either two men, two women, a man and a woman, all just all the way down as far as you could see. To the left of me, the only way I can describe this is they looked like tunnels. It was solid marble with, it looked like they had been, these doorways had been cut out of the marble, like doors. They were maybe seven or eight feet high and they looked black. Like if you looked into a, into a dark room, that's what it looked like. But they were all dark and all the way down were these corridors or these, or these doorways. And right about that time, in my left ear, I heard, my name is Alan. I'm your spirit guide. And I don't know if a lot of your audience has heard about spirit guides. I'm sure probably a lot of them have. But every one of us, has a spirit guide and they actually help us plan our lifetime and they are with us throughout our whole life. So what happened with me is 
all the way through my experience, my guide is talking to me in my left ear and he's telling me what I'm seeing and what's happening. So that's how I'm able to tell audiences where I was is because my guide was telling me. And he told me that the building that I was in is called the Orientation Center. And it's the first place we go to when we cross from that tunnel, when, when we finish our current lifetime and we go down that tunnel, we enter the white light and we end up where I was standing, which is the Orientation Center. So my guide said, look up at the next tunnel. And I looked up and there was a man coming through. He was an elderly gentleman, probably in his 80s or 90s. And he, was, he had his right hand holding his chest like he had pain. And my guide said he died from a heart attack. So he was coming through this tunnel. The counselor, the, the people that were sitting at these tables, they're called orientation counselors. And what they do is they help people remember where they're from. Because we're not from Earth. We're from the other side. That's our real eternal home. So she, this woman stood up. She walked over to this man. She took his hands in hers. And she walked him back to the table. They sat down and she sat across from him. And she started talking to him. I was too far away to hear what she was saying. But my guide was saying that she's an orientation counselor. And what she does is help people remember where they're from. That you just finished a lifetime on Earth. Now you're coming back home to the other side. And her job is to help people just remember where they're from. Because most of us, when we come into a lifetime, we forget where we're really from. And we just have memories only of Earth. So when people go down that tunnel, when they finish their life and they go down that tunnel, many people can be confused and they don't know really what's going on. So what, that's what the job of the orientation counselor is, is to help people remember where they're from. So as she was talking, my guide said, watch him closely. So I was watching him and Yannicka, all of a sudden, he began to change right in front of my eyes. He changed from a man in his, who was an elderly gentleman to a man, a young man in his late 20s or early 30s. And my guide said, everybody is in their 30s on the other side. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because of Jesus died at 33 or I don't know what the reason is, but we're all in our 30s. That's how we appear on the other side. So it was extraordinary to see him actually change into the soul, the age that he is on the other side. So I, was, I watched this man. He died on earth. He came through the tunnel. He went through the white light. He had an orientation with an orientation counselor. And then one of the most extraordinary parts of my NDE that, that I think I love so much is when he, he stood up. And he walked off to the right, and he walked between the columns. And as he walked between the columns, he went down three steps. And he had what I call a reunion. And it was in the most beautiful garden I, I can even describe. Absolutely looked like a, like a perfect English garden with flowers and plants and trees and the color of the grass was so green it looked like emerald green it was beautiful and there were all these people there and what my guide said is that every time somebody comes back from an earth life they have a reunion and the people that are there are all the people that he knew on the other side and so many of the people that crossed over before he did and so they're there welcoming him when he comes back. And all of us have that. And my guide told me that Earth is the hardest of all the planets. So when we come in here, when we're brave enough to come here to have a lifetime and we finish it, 
everybody is there to greet us. And I've realized at that time that that's actually true because life can be very hard for many of us. And when we get back to the other side, that's a huge, huge accomplishment. And that's why all these people are part of your reunion. And I thought that was just the, the most amazing thing to see that when you finish your life, everyone that you've ever known, whether it was parents, grandparents, children, siblings, everybody you've known in your lifetime, everybody is there. So nobody really dies. When people die, they just go back home again. And the home is on the other side. And Earth is just a place that we come to, to learn, to experience, to grow, and to become even more than what we were before we started. Each lifetime has a specific reason why we're here. And we, we plan that and we chart that before we come in. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep going. The next thing my guy took me to, he took me to the outside of all these buildings first so I could tell people what they looked like. And then he took me inside. The orientation building that I was in, and this is something that your audience can, can do some research on. They can just do a Google research or a, a Google lookup. There's a building in the country of Turkey, and it's called the Temple of Artemis. It's A-R-T-E-M-I-S, the Temple of Artemis in Turkey. And it looks like the building that I was in, in that orientation center, this huge, long, beautiful, white marble building. And when they look it up on Google, you can see exactly what I saw, but it was just, just longer, just a much longer building. So he took me to this next building, and it was huge rectangle building. And all along the outside, again, were marble columns. So he took me inside, and inside I was in one of the rooms. And something I, I cannot express enough is the, the size of all these buildings. They were so large. We don't have anything like that here on Earth. Nothing compares to the size of what these buildings were. So we took them on the inside, and one of the rooms that I was in was a round room, like a, like, just like a round theater. And on the top, there were movie screens all around the top in a circle. And all of a sudden, as I was standing there, each one of those screens turned on and it was like watching a movie, but the movie was about my life. And each screen that was on was a different age. One screen was playing, playing of me when I was a little baby. Another screen was showing me as an infant. Another screen was showing me as an adolescent all the way up to the age that I was at the time, which was 21. And the whole idea behind this, my guide explained, was that it's a life review. Every one of us, all of us, have life reviews. And the reason is if, to see if you accomplished the things you set for yourself. Because kind of like having a lifetime is what we do when we have a new year. A lot of us will go through a New Year's resolution. Well, that's the same thing we do when we have a lifetime we actually plan what we want to accomplish. And so the life review is the opportunity to see how we did. And it was, it was just amazing to see that. So you, could, you can see every aspect of your life on, this, on these screens in a life review. The next place he took me to, again, was another rectangle, large building, again, with columns on the outside. And he took me inside. And the room that I was in now was looked like what we would say is a, a normal movie theater. It was long, rectangular, and with one movie screen up front. And what he was showing me at that point were past lifetimes. I was raised a Catholic, and we had never talked about past lifetimes or that the soul has lived before, and none of that was a part of Catholicism. So that was hard for me to understand. So I think the reason that he showed me the past lifetimes was so that I tell people, you know, past lifetimes really are real. 
the soul is eternal. The soul never dies. And we can have as many lifetimes as we want to for the purpose of learning and for growing. And I'll get into that a, a little bit later too. So on the screen, it turned on and my guide showed me three different lifetimes that I had had. Most of us have many, many more, and I probably had more too, but he just showed me three of them. And the first one was of a monk. I was a monk in a monastery. I had a shaved head. I was wearing a red kind of a tunic or a gown, and I was teaching little kids. I was a teacher in that lifetime in this monastery, and my job was to teach the children about life in a monastery. And that lifetime happened somewhere in Asia. The next lifetime he showed me was I was a shoe peddler. I had a wheelbarrow and I had a bunch of shoes in this wheelbarrow and I was walking along a cobblestone pathway. And my job in that life was I would fix people's shoes. I had a little shop. I would fix their shoes, put them back in the wheelbarrow and I would wheel them down to where people lived and drop off their shoes for them. And that lifetime happened somewhere in Eastern Europe. The, the third life he showed me was I was a fisherman. I had a little um, riggedy brown kind of wooden boat and I was standing and I had fish nets and I would cast the nets into the lake and catch fish for the village. And that lifetime happened somewhere in the Middle East. And again, he just wanted me to tell people that past lifetimes are real that the soul lives for eternity, and we can have many, many lifetimes. In one caveat, there are many, many souls, he explained to me, who don't wanna to come to Earth because Earth is the hardest of all the planets. And that's why there is such a big reunion when we finish a lifetime and we get back to the other side because life on Earth really is the hardest of all of them. So that was, that was that experience, the part of the different buildings with the life reviews. The next building he took me to, it was, if you can imagine a round building, just round with a big dome on top. And there were columns, white marble columns, all around the outside. And this building was absolutely huge also. And this building is the place that we go to when we plan lifetimes. I don't know why we go there, but that seems to be the place where everyone goes when they wanna work on another lifetime. And your guide goes with you and your guide helps you plan a life. So my guide took me to this area in this, in this building that had a, another white marble table. And there were two scrolls on this table. They were rolled up and they had a ribbon around the scroll. And I learned in that, in that part of my NDE that all of us plan our lifetimes. And we actually have these scrolls that they look like papyrus, like what the ancient Egyptians would write on. They look like that. And when I, I took the ribbon off and I unfolded the scroll and I laid it out on this table and I could see that there was black lettering and it looked like calligraphy the kind of writing you take an ink pen, you dip it in the ink, and then you write out on, on, a, on a parchment. That's what this writing looked like. And what it was is he wanted to be able to tell people that we plan our lifetimes. We plan who our parents are gonna be, we plan what country we're gonna live in, what language we're going to learn. All of this gets planned into our lifetime. So there's actual structure to it. And it's all based on what is it that you want to learn? What do you want to grow on? Is it, do you want to learn about compassion or love? Or do you want to learn about non-judgment? All of these, all of these things, all of these things go into planning a life. Well, as I went to try to read what was on my scroll, it folded up again. And I wasn't able to read what I had written because I wasn't supposed to see what was in my life. They just wanted me to be able to tell people that life is not just some random accident, that we come here for specific purposes to learn and to grow. And what's interesting is that Earth 
it's it's not the only way that you can learn and grow. You can still learn and grow when they're on the other side. It's just that you don't have anything to overcome. One of the reasons that we come to a planet is to have the experiences where we have to go through something that's hard. Because in life, almost always, especially you know in my life too, we learn from going through tough experiences, whether it's a job loss or a financial problem, a health care, a health care issue, or uh, you know a divorce, and anything that you go through, you learn from that, and it makes you better. Well, on the other side, we still learn, but there's nothing over there that is hard. The other, the other side is a perfect paradise. There's no war. There's no hunger. There's no disease. There's no, there's nothing that is hard for anyone to overcome. And you'd think, why don't we just stay there? Well, we do. But we also have times where we want to learn. And when we do, we actually choose a lifetime and come in to go through certain things to experience and to learn. But on the other side, you can still learn. You can go to, you can take classes, you can go to lectures, you can paint if you want to, you can swim, hike, anything that you love to do here on earth. It was explained to me that you can do on the other side. So it's an absolute paradise. So that was the building where we plan our, oh, I want to mention, before I forget, I want to mention one thing. On When I was in that building, looking at my scrolls, on the left-hand side, there was this beautiful, sprawling window. And I looked outside the window, and I could see that there was a, a footpath. And there were all kinds of people walking back and forth in front of this building, like they were going somewhere. And the other side was, wherever I was on the other side, it was a specific place that he took me to. But the other side is like a planet. It's, it's huge. And I was only in one area. But I could see people walking back and forth. And that's where I saw for the first time that people look just like we do. They dress a little bit differently. A, a lot of them seem to be wearing robes or gowns or tunics, kind of like what you would see in Greece, in ancient Greece or um, ancient Rome. But that wasn't the only thing. People could wear jeans and T-shirts. It's just that a lot of people seem to wear these gowns. And right on the other side of this footpath, there was a lake. And this lake was absolutely beautiful. It was kind of a round, oval kind of lake. And what was so interesting about it is on the outside of the lake were these weeping willow trees. You know how those weeping willow trees have their branches come down and the, with the leaves? Well, that the leaves were, or the branches were so long that they were floating on the top of this lake, just floating there. And it was still, it was an absolutely beautiful scene. And that's when I realized that the other side has nature that is similar to Earth's, but the other side is so much more beautiful. They have oceans and lakes and rivers and mountains and everything we have here, but just so much more beautiful. And then he took me to, before, before we left the big round building, he took me to an area where it looked like a huge library full of Encyclopedia Britannicas. And they were all the same color, kind of maroon, purplish. And they had writing on the, on the binding, but the writing wasn't horizontal. The writing went down on the, on the bindings. And what they were, they were, in, they were in gold lettering. And what it was, was the name of all of our soulmates. All of us have soulmates that God created with us at creation. And that is our perfect mate on the other side. And my guide wanted me to be able, be able to tell people that the whole concept of soulmates, it's real, that they really do exist. And he took me to a place where I could see my soulmate's name. And I looked at the book, and it was N-I-N-A, Nina. My soulmate's name on the other side is Nina, and we all have them. What I get asked a lot is whether or not the soulmate comes into a lifetime with us. 
And that I don't know. My, my first inkling or impression is that they don't. Because one of the reasons we come to Earth is to learn through relationships. And having relationships teaches us a lot. And if your soulmate came with you into your lifetime and was with you for your whole life, that would be an opportunity that, that you wouldn't really have to learn from having relationships because you would have the best one with you. So I don't know if the soulmate comes into a lifetime with us. That's something that if I could ask my guide, that's a question I would absolutely ask. So that part, I, I don't know. But the, but the soulmates are real. The next place he took me to looked like an absolutely gigantic sports stadium. It looked like it was a big oval of a building. And when he took me inside, I realized that it was a planetarium. And the planetarium, I'm sure you probably, I'm sure you definitely have some in Norway too. And a lot of your audience has probably been to them. But planetariums are where you go and you can look up at the ceiling and they can show you different stars and planets and galaxies. Well, that's where he took me to. He took me to an enormous planetarium. And it was thousands and thousands of seats inside. And all the lights were on. This place was very, very bright and extremely large. Thousands of people could, could be in this planetarium at one time. Well, there was a man behind me. And his job on the other side was to run the planetarium. And something I want to mention for your audience, too, is that everybody on the other side seems to have something that they love to do. And that's what they pursue more than anything else. The counselors, when I was in that first building in that orientation center, their job on the other side is to be orientation counselors. That's what they love to do. And that's what they pursue. And it's a little bit different on the other side in terms of jobs. We don't really have the same concept of jobs on the other side as we have here on Earth. Everybody has jobs here because you have to earn money. You've got expenses, bills, insurance, all the things we have to pay for. Well, the idea of jobs on the other side is real, too. But you don't have to work to pay expenses or bills. They don't have economics like we do here. So the man that was behind me in the planetarium... He loved to run the planetarium. That's what he loved doing. He was an expert on, I guess you could say, space, um, outer space, galaxies. That's what he loved to study. So he talked to me, and he said, let's begin. And all of a sudden, all the lights went off, and I sat down, and I looked up at the ceiling. And he said, when you look at the stars, this is what you see. And what he meant was everybody on Earth, at their level of development, at their level of knowledge, this is what they know about outer space. And he started showing me different planets in our solar system. He showed me Earth. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Then... Neptune and Saturn and Jupiter, all of our planets in our solar system. And then it went blank. And then he said to me, when we look at the stars, this is what we see. And what he meant was everybody who's on the other side with their level of development and knowledge, 
this is what they know. And all of a sudden, planet after planet started showing up. First, there were dozens, then hundreds and thousands and millions of other planets. And he said to me, there is far more life in the universe than you can possibly know. And I think my guide took me to the planetarium building so that I could tell people two things. That number one, Earth is not the only inhabited planet. That there are billions of other worlds that have life. And I think the other reason he wanted to show me this was to tell me that Earth is not the only planet where you can have a lifetime. There are billions of other worlds that God has created that we can have lifetimes on. And I just thought that was the most extraordinary because I had, I've always loved astronomy. And going to and knowing that there are other planets, that Earth is not the only one, is something that was absolutely just fantastic for me to learn that. And that's something that I love to share with people. Because when you look at the size of the galaxies and the universe, it's absolutely extraordinary how large it is. In fact, I'll, I'll tell you something that I just read recently. I was listening or reading this woman's column. She's an astronomer. And she was saying that on or, or in the Milky Way, which is our galaxy, just the Milky Way, they estimate that there are over 100 billion planets just in our galaxy. And if you could imagine the universe having hundreds of millions of galaxies, how many planets that must be? It's got to be endless. And I, I just can't even comprehend. I, I can't wrap my mind around how large that is. So one of the things that I cannot wait to do when I finish this lifetime and go back is I want to learn and study about all the different worlds and all the different galaxies out there. And that's something all of us can do. The next place he took me to, this one was the largest of all the buildings. It was absolutely huge. And what this one looked like, it looks like the, um, uh, the, the Supreme Court building in Washington, D.C., Super long, rectangular building. Again, I could not see the end of it. It was so long. But it didn't have columns on the side. It just had columns in front. Maybe 15, 20 columns out front of it. And there were like 30 or 50 stairs to walk up to get to the entrance. But when I got inside, I realized it was a library. Huge, tall, wooden bookshelves, maybe 20, maybe 20 feet high, and they had ladders all the way down so you could actually climb up and get to the higher books that were up on the shelves. And this library was conveyed to me that anything that you ever wanted to learn was in this library. Anything about history or science or music or um, everything you ever want to learn was in this library. You could go and there were people everywhere looking up information. Some were at tables reading, some were talking, but there were people everywhere. Well, he took me to the left-hand side of the library, and there were rooms, rooms that were probably the size of, of, a, of a master bedroom, maybe 15 feet by 10 feet, something like that. And they, there, had, there were these videos or video screens in every room. And back then when this happened, it was, it was 1987 when I had my experience. And we didn't have flat screen TVs back then. So when I looked up at the, up these monitors, they would look like what we would say, oh, those are flat screen TVs. You know, maybe 40, 50 inch flat screen TVs. That's what these looked like. And, and he took me to one of the rooms, and there was a woman sitting in this room. And she had her back to me. She had jet long black hair down to her waist. And she had kind of a purplish kind of a gown or tunic on. And she was watching something on this video screen. And my guide said, go closer and see what she's seen. So I got closer. And what she was watching was a battle. 
And it, it was a battle that took place 200 years ago in Earth's history between the Native American tribes, the Native American Plains tribes, and the United States Cavalry. And she was watching a battle as it took place in real time. And I thought to myself, how is it possible that she can be watching something that happened in history when we didn't have any recordings back then? There were no video recordings. There were hardly any cameras back then. How could she be watching this? And my guide said to me, everything gets recorded. So this girl just wanted to watch a period of Earth's history and learn about it. And that's one of the things we can do on the other side, is if you don't have a lifetime in a particular era or a particular time of Earth's history, you can go to these rooms in this library and you can watch history. And I can't wait to get back because one of the things I want to do is I have always been interested in World War II, especially D-Day, when the Allies invaded Normandy. I want to go watch that and see what it was really like during that time period. So learning still takes place on the other side, all kinds of different ways to learn and to grow once we're back home again. And I, I thought that was so, I thought that was so wonderful because I think all of us are hardwired from God to want to learn. We all enjoy learning new things and we still learn even on the other side. The next place he took me to was a medieval castle. I don't know if they have castles in Norway, but they have them in Europe, especially in England, Scotland, Ireland, those areas. And he took me to a castle, a huge, huge castle made of stone, just like, this, just like the castles were made back in the medieval period in Europe. And the reason he took me here to this castle was to show me that not only can you learn by watching videos and learning about, you know, history, but you can also learn by seeing what the buildings were like that people lived in during certain times of Earth's history. Well, one of the times he was taking me to was the medieval period of Earth's history. So you can see what the castles looked like and what people lived in. So he tells me, he tells me to go in. So I go inside. And the first thing I notice is there is beautiful red carpet all throughout the entire castle that made it feel like it was royal, like a royal castle. And on my left and on my right were these huge walls. And on the walls were life-size paintings. And these paintings were of the people who had lived in that castle during that time period. King George, for example. And you could walk in and you could see his life-size painting. You could see what he'd looked like. And you could also see what they dressed in during that time. So all the way down these walls were these pictures of people that had lived in the castle. All the royalty, the kings, the queens, the princesses, the dukes. You could see everybody. And in front of every picture, there was a podium. And on the podium was a book. Well, my guide told me that if you wanted to learn about that particular person's life, you could come to this castle, you could look at their picture, their painting, and then this book was a book about that person's lifetime. It was very detailed, and you could read and learn about their life. So I, I thought that was absolutely miraculous. Well, right about then, I looked off to my right, and there was a circular staircase you know how a lot, of, a lot of castles have those circular staircases to get up and down the different floors? Well, this one had that. And there was a woman that was walking down, the, walking down the stairs. She had strawberry blonde hair, and she was wearing kind of a peach, kind of an, a peach-colored gown. And she walked up to me, and she, actually, she could see me. And she said, is there anything I can help you find? Well, Yannicka, you know what I said to her? The stupidest thing I've ever said. I said, no thanks. I'm just looking. <laughs> I, I could have asked her anything. I, I could have said, you know, I was supposed to be having surgery. Where am I? Who, who are you? What's a spirit guide? What, what, is a, 
what's a soulmate? I, I could have asked for anything, but I didn't know that I had died. I didn't know where I was. And so I said to her, what we all, a lot of us will say, no thanks, I'm just looking. And I still kick myself to this day. But my guide said that the reason she asked me that is on the other side, she loves to study history. And she loved that particular era of Earth's history. So if you wanted to learn about what it was like in medieval Europe, not only could you go see the castle of what people lived in, but you could see their paintings, you could read about them, and you could also talk to someone like her, and like she was a professor of that time period, you could ask her questions. And I just thought that was such a, an extraordinary part about the other side, is that we can continue to learn for eternity. I just love that part. Here is the last part of my near-death experience. And this is the part that you mentioned earlier that I wanted to get to. My guide took me to the most beautiful, gorgeous meadow. This, these fields, these wildflower meadows with grasses and beautiful flowers. The, it was, the sun was shining. It was a beautiful, beautiful, bright day. And then my guide left. And in front of me, a gentleman appeared. And he was different than everybody else I had seen. And it was Jesus. I, I knew in my mind that this person who's in front of me now is Jesus, that he had a lifetime on earth known as Jesus. I could see his hands. I could see his feet. He was wearing a white robe and he had a golden sash around him, and he had gold, kind of gold-colored sandals that laced up his calves. But he was different than the other people that I saw. Everyone else looks just like we do. You can see their face. Um, everyone has different, unique personality styles, just like we do. But I could not see his face because there was so much light, so much energy that was coming out of him that I couldn't see what he looked like, but I just knew that this was Jesus. And he spoke to me and he said, you must tell them there is no death. And the very second he said that, boom, I was right back in the hospital, looking up and looking at the doctors and the nurses trying to work on me. And that was the very last part of my near death experience. And so all my life, I have been trying to share that story that you must tell them there is no death. And that's what I've done ever since. Tried to live my life in such a way that I could tell people that whoever would listen. And I've had the opportunity and the great pleasure of meeting people like you who've invited me onto their shows where I can share my story. Wow. Oh my goodness. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. Like I've been writing so many notes and I realize we can't get through them all. Uh, this is so interesting. Um, okay. Um, I, I mentioned in the beginning that you were very, very courageous um, sharing this. And I, I seldom ask this question, actually. It just dropped into my mind that what are you, uh, uh, how are you explaining this to people who do not believe in the afterlife who are atheists, who uh, maybe, you know, look at you like, are you a bit crazy? Yes. Uh, because I've also been out of my body and I say that, you know, I have no doubt because it was so real. Like I felt it was more real than even this life. And then I'm curious, how do you sort of explain it to those who do not believe? Yannick, I feel exactly the same. When I, when I was over there during my NDE, every single thing that I was seeing felt far more real than anything I've ever experienced here on earth. And I, and I get that question a lot. How do you know it was real? How do you know it wasn't a dream or a hallucination? And I tell people that, you know, I hardly remember my dreams. I hardly remember what I had for dinner last night. My memory is not very good. So I never remember anything, but I remember that experience just like it happened yesterday, every single detail I remember. And I know it wasn't a dream because I was clinically dead. In fact, when I got back, after he said to me, you must tell them there is no death. And I got back, I asked the surgeon, what just happened? 
And I thought maybe he was going to tell me what was going on. And he said, we lost you. We lost you for seven minutes. You were clinically dead for seven minutes. So that's when I realized that it mm. wasn't a dream. It wasn't a hallucination. And even if it was a dream, there was no way in the world that I could have ever imagined the things that I saw. I just, I've never been able to, I, I would never have been able to imagine something like that. Mm. And I tell people that I, I don't, I wish that I had some ability or some proof or that I could give people my eyeballs for a while so they could see what I saw, then they would know. But I just tell people that, you know, if you don't believe, if you don't, and, and that's okay, people, I'm, I'm not trying to push my belief on anybody. I'm just trying to share, you know, what I saw to give people hope and to give people encouragement to finish their lifetimes and do their best. But I don't really get a lot of people who say I don't believe. I, I think I think a lot of people do believe in something. They just don't know what. In mm -hmm. fact, I, I read an, uh, a statistic recently. It said that 93% of the world's population believes in something that happens after death. Mm -hmm. Only 7% only of the population are true atheists. And I just simply tell them, you know, it's okay to not believe anything. God doesn't make you believe anything. But when you die you'll realize that you don't end. Nobody ever ends at death. Death is just simply leaving this old body, like stepping out of an old car or taking off a jacket. You go back home again, and it, it happens just that fast. So I, I try not to tell people that, you know, you have to believe in something because there are some people that don't, but they'll find out when they cross. What, what I find is a bit uh, of a paradox to me is that, a lot of NDE experiencers uh, come back with or having had the message that you need to share this and you did as well. And I'm thinking, so, okay, so we obviously need this message from the other side. It's meant to be shared. Now, why am I not experiencing this uh, by myself? Why am I not receiving these answers from somewhere else? Why the veil when they're saying, you need to tell the story? Well, just open the veil. <laughs> That's, that is such a good question. I have wondered that, Yannicka, for so long because I'm not like you. I don't have this famous podcast. I don't, I don't have a, a radio show. I don't have a, a book. Why? I'm nobody. Why would they give me that kind of information to share? I don't, and I don't know why. I don't know why they did. I would think that if they wanted to, to get this information out, they would give it to someone like you who has a huge audience. So I, I don't know. I, I have no idea why they gave me what they gave me other than the fact that my experience is part of that jigsaw puzzle. So many people have pieces of the puzzle mm. and mine is just one of them. Mm. I just happen to be able to find out what's on the other side of that white light. I think that was the piece of the puzzle that they gave me that something really does happen when a person crosses into that tunnel and they go into the light. And my part of the story is just simply being able to share what happens when we do that. I'm going to ask some practical questions. I bet uh, some of you guys who are watching or listening are wondering too. You know, it seems like it's very real on the other side and you're saying it's no war, you know, no struggle, nothing to overcome. However, we have bodies, but do we eat? Uh, do we sweat? Do we do normal human things? And are, are there animals who need to eat food and kill each other? And like, how, how are we surviving? Are we living on air or love? That's something I, I don't have any real practical knowledge of what, because my guy didn't tell me anything like that. My guide said that everything you like to do on earth, you can do on the other side. And we have bodies over there, but right. they're, the bodies are, they're different. You know, how the, you know how in the book of Genesis, in the Bible, it says we are made in the image and likeness of God? Well, on the other side, we look just like we do now, but our bodies are perfect. They're somehow made of... I don't know if it's concentrated energy or, or light or what they are, but they're better. They don't get ill. 
They don't get disease. They don't get, they don't suffer. They don't get injured. The bodies are, are perfect, but we all have different unique expressions just like we do here. But I, I don't know if we have to eat. That I don't know. I, my impression was we don't have to eat and we don't have to sleep. But I, I don't, nobody told me that. Right. So I, I, I don't know for sure. But I, I just know that we have bodies that are better than our bodies here. And when we have these bodies, what kind of body would I have? Would I, I mean, I wouldn't have the body as Janneke because that's just this incarnation. Correct. And, you know, because on the other side, it seemed like you were John. Uh, but if you really died and I really died, do we sort of uh, come back to our sort of real body, uh, which is the soul and sort of is a compilation of all that we are? Yes. That's exactly it. We we come we when we get to the other side, we are again just as God created us to be, that perfect Yannicka or that perfect John. We are exactly as we were created to be, and we look differently because we don't. Our, our bodies on Earth are a product of DNA, but on the other side, mm. everybody can appear how they want to, mm. and usually. From what my experience has taught me, that people appear as they were in their favorite lifetime. So let's say, let's say for example, that this is your favorite life. <sighs> you you would appear as you were looked as Yannicka in Earth in 2023, for example. Wow, that's so fascinating, isn't it? Though, but the one thing too that's so is so remarkable is when you're on an Earth life, you only have memories of your earth of your earth time here but on the other side when you get back you have all your memories back again and you become the the totality of everything you've ever experienced whereas here on earth we only have memories of our present lifetime and that's just to that's just for, for the idea of being able to focus on what you're here for right now to learn and to experience What is the biggest insight you got uh, from this experience? I think the biggest thing I got was that there really is no death, that people are just in a different place and you can't get there yet until it's your time to finish your lifetime. I'll tell you something that I haven't forgotten, that the only thing I've ever had happen that I would call of a spiritual nature besides my near-death experience happened when my wife's dad died, my father-in-law. We were all in the hospital that night. He died. And a couple of days later, he came to me in a dream. And he was young. He was young again. And he spoke to me in that dream. And he said, don't worry. Everything's going to be okay. We're all going to be together again. Give it everything you've got. And then he said, please tell my family I'm okay. And I realized that what he said was true. Give it everything you've got. Mm-hmm. Because that's why we're here. I, and I think there are two specific reasons why we're here. The first one is we come to learn. We come here to learn, to grow, to develop. But we are also here to try to help others. There's um, a wonderful quote by the Dalai Lama, and I just love it. He said, our prime purpose in this life is to help others. And if you can't help them, at least don't hurt them. And And that's how I've tried to live my life. And I think that's what the other side wants us to do, is to learn but also try to help others along the way as much and as often as you can. That's beautiful. And I believe that that is also because we are all one. And if you help another, you actually help yourself. Yes. That makes sense to me. This has been so fascinating. I'm so grateful and thankful that you're sharing this story. 
Uh, and I, I, I bet a lot of people got curious about the soulmate question. So that's yeah. the last one I'm going to go into before we need to wrap up. Like there is one soulmate for each and every one of us. I was like, really? Because I thought, I, I, I mean, I did thought, I think that that was a myth, actually. Um, so is that sort of a twin flame then that, uh, yes. yeah, yeah. That's from, from my experience that was when God created all of us, he created us with a perfect mate. Mm. And I, I know that that perfect mate is with you on the other side, mm. but I, I just don't know if, if they come into a lifetime with you mm. because everybody, everybody wants to find their soulmate while they're here. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't know if they come in with you, because right. when you have relationships, those are things that teach us the most. When you go through something, if you go through a, let's say you have a breakup, for example, you never, you never have a breakup with your soulmate. You only have a breakup with people that are in lifetimes with you for the purposes of learning and mm -hmm. growing and developing, because you learn so much about yourself from having relationships. So I, I just don't know if, if they come into a lifetime with you, I'm, I'm sure they probably can. I don't know why I don't know why they wouldn't. I just don't know if they do. Yeah, I think it can be not so helpful if we're going to, you know, run around uh, chasing our soulmate our whole life. Maybe if the soulmate is not there or yearning for that uh, someone who's on the other side. Uh, to me, I would feel like, you know, the person I'm with is my soulmate right now yeah. yes. uh, and not like feel like I'm connected to some something else on the other side that I do not know. But I, I guess that's why we have the veil so we can fully go into this experience as well. Yes. Yeah. Here's here's something, too, that I that I learned. And, I, and this might help explain maybe why they don't come in with us on the other side. There is no time. Time isn't like that, like it is here. When a person's on the other side and you come into a lifetime, everybody on the other side feels like, okay, they're going to be gone for a month or two, and then they're going to be back. But for us coming here to Earth, it could be an 80 or 90 year lifetime, which is a long time. But on the other side, it doesn't feel like that. So people may decide to come in to learn through different relationships and not have their soulmate with them just to learn because they, because they know they're going to be back in just a very short period of time. Wow. Fascinating. I haven't heard that so much before. Yeah. All right. I have three questions I ask all my guests. And the first one is what is self-love to you? Self-love. I would say that in my experience, Self-love is accepting who you are, accepting where you are on your life path, and not beating yourself up for the past or for mistakes that you made, because that's why we're here. We have to make mistakes to learn. And I think so many people live their lifetimes beating themselves up because of past mistakes. You have to love yourself because if, if you don't love yourself, you're not going to go forward and keep learning and keep growing, which is exactly what God wants us to do. That's why we're here to learn and to experience. There's another a great quote that I love from Eleanor Roosevelt. And she said, the purpose of life is to live it. And I just, <laughs> I just love that. That's wonderful. And what is happiness to you? Happiness to me is having family, having family in your life, having close, wonderful relationships. Mm. In fact, that's a great question because there was a, a Harvard study. You've heard of Harvard University. Harvard did the longest study of happiness. They called it a longitudinal study. And they looked at 1,300 people's lives starting back in the 1930s up to the early 2000s, and they followed them to find out what really made them happy. You know what it was? It wasn't money. It wasn't success. It wasn't fame. They said what makes people happy in life is the quality of their relationships, mm. friends, spouses, loved ones. 
it's relationships that make people happy. Yeah, no surprise. Yeah. And what is the deeper meaning of life from your perspective? I think um, the deeper meaning of life is to do what my father-in-law told me, to give it everything you've got, mm -hmm. to be in your lifetime, to realize that you're not going to be here forever, that this isn't home. Earth is not our home. We just come here to learn. This was very inspiring, John. Thank you so much for coming onto the show and again for sharing your story. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, Janneke. I love telling my story and it was so nice to finally get to meet you. So thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. you want to become more who you are and live in alignment with your soul's purpose and explore a deeper meaning with your life, then you are most welcome to join Wisdom from North membership. If you want to go deeper, you can find all our English online courses and programs at wisdomfromnorth.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube just by searching for Wisdom from North. Until the next episode, much light from here.